0: You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. I don't know exactly where to start. I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. So much to say. Pastor David, come here and get this. I'm not giving this to you. I'm going to ask you to uh, do that when I should shut up. Because I I don't know your total schedule. Uh, Mom and Pop Hilton, where are you at? Would you stand? You two stand. If you two only knew that little kissy-kissy and huggy-huggy, would produce this man. And then later, this church, and all the grandkids and great grandkids. I honor you too, I- I've loved you a long time. Yeah, come on, give them a big hand. They're worthy. Well, a few people in my life I really have such deep honor, and it's always been the Hiltons, love them. Pastor David and Wendy, you guys have done an amazing thing here. Um my eyes started messing up just a few months ago and uh September of last year, my wife was sick, and uh we got her to the hospital and found out she had cancer and for eight months of chemo and radiation and prayer and, and uh, positive uh, people in her life, and saying the right things. Uh, my wife is now cancer-free. Sister Lori, would you stand? Yeah. You got your Bibles or your non-paper tablets or whatever it is you use here. It's such a high-tech, redneck church i serious, man. The worship here is not only applicable, but it's revelational. Yes. Man, I mean, just uh, yes. lying in your lungs. I mean, I'm just hearing it, and tears are welling up my eyes, and I think about things. I, I got a f- How many pastors here? Raise your hand if you're a pastor. Amen. I want to talk mainly to you guys. The rest of you just listen. <laughs> Somebody asked me on the trip. Uh, we went up to North Carolina, Tennessee, rode about every curve you could ride again. And um, somebody said, what time are you you preaching at Pastor David's? I said, 9 a.m. And he said, "Uh, how'd you draw the short straw? And I said, at my age, I'm glad to have any straw. It's glad to be here. This book is amazing if you learn how to use it properly. This book has there's two things you've not got to keep in mind. And I, Next year, I'll be pastoring 30 years and preaching for over 40. I've learned a few things down the road. I'm asking God to just anoint my lips and give me an opportunity to speak truth to you. But this book has culture and theology in it. And if you're not careful, and I've seen this happen so many times with, with pastors, and they, they want to be so... Uh, uh, relational and relative at the moment but they'll, they'll read something like out of john 13 that says uh, jesus washed the feet of the disciples and so the next thing i know i'm looking through social media and there's pastors washing people's feet and i'm thinking that was cultural Now, i'm not against you washing people's feet you want to do that help yourself get all the feet you can but they're pretty they're manicured they're nice jesus said what you need washed is that which comes in contact with the world Which is your feet and your feet are dirty so I'm going to take care of your feet so here they sat head to foot head to foot head to foot all the way around smelly feet he got up he why did he wash your feet well it was an indication first that uh somebody else should have already done it we believe this was Peter's house and so in John 13 and this ain't on the overhead guys this is talking before I talk uh but the thing is is that people jumped into this foot washing thing and and got after it and that ain't what Jesus is talking about culturally yes but spiritually, he was speaking to them about serving one another. And what makes a great church is people that serve one another, people that serve their neighbors, people that reach out toward others. That, that's the big deal, is serving one another. He said, if I your master's done this, wouldn't you want to do this too? Shouldn't you do this too? Nowhere else you'll find in the Bible where the disciples washed anybody's feet. Yet yeah. yeah, he told them to do that. But they didn't do it. He told them to baptize the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Nowhere in the Bible do they baptize the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Nowhere. So, when I baptize, I do what Jesus said and I do what the disciples did. I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Just get it all right there together. Amen. Like me, lump me, whatever. That's just the way. Sometimes I'll just speak in tongues and let God sort it out. Just throw them under the water and dunk them. It doesn't matter. We use a water slide at our church. We got a, we got a water slide, so we call it Baptist slide right off in the water. It works. You can walk the plank. We'll do your MMA, baby. We'll take you down. I mean, it, just however you want to do it. But I mention this for a reason. Culturally it's important that you understand certain things in the Word of God is cultural. Certain things have to be spiritual. They can be both at the same time, but you've got to realize where they were. Now, you, you got your Bibles. We're in the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Are you comfortable? Would you stand for the reading of the Word? God never wanted you comfortable. Joshua chapter 3, by the time we get there, we find out that God killed Moses. Y'all do know that, don't you? The Bible says that Moses went off with God and God came back. It just says it like that. Joshua says, Where, Where's Moses? Hey, don't, don't pay no attention to him, he's gone. So, 40 years in the wilderness. You got 40 years. Uh, Moses is now 80 years old. He's there at the edge of the promised land. You know the story. He's not going to be able to get in the promised land. He struck the rock, which was Christ. And so we see the the, the things that took place in the Old Testament. Most of you know all this story. Then we get to this today moment. It's moving day. Everybody says it's moving day. It's important to get ready to move, to make that transition to head out. Early in the morning, chapter 3, verse 4, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Chittim and went to the Jordan. That's a river where they camped before crossing over. After three days. The officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, of course the presence of God, of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out. Everybody say move out. Move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Uh, Every day is like I've never been this way before. It's It's a new day. It's a new place. But keep distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark Do not go near it, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass it on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. There is a transitioning, I believe, taking place. Worship, guys, let me just mention this. Fantastic. When I see young people worship, when I see what's going on in the body of Christ, there is hope. Can I get an amen? There is hope. Father, I thank you for the word of God. Again, anoint my lips to share our hearts to hear and receive. God, uh, restore my joints. Come on, Jesus. Help you, preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you be seated, I want you to say with me, I get a kick out of serving Jesus. And if the devil gets too close, he going to get a kick out of it too. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. This transition, this this moving, and this is what's taking place today, I believe, with all my heart. God is moving us from a people that are title-seeking, position-possessing. I want to be somebody with a name. To a people that are more interested in what they produce than the title they possess. People with servant hearts. That's why Jesus did what he did to the disciples in John 13 by washing their feet. Even though, yeah, I'm I'm a... college football nut and and i love it and yeah you got 12 picks you get 12 picks and you're gonna pick a judas you hear what i'm saying you get 12 you only get 12 and and then you got you got you got pete and jj you you got matthew you got you got uh, you got roman hating zealots you got uh, what what a political mess that he picked i love that he did that he didn't search out 12 perfect cowboys he he, he found the ones that could barely ride and say okay i want to teach you how Amen. I love that. Everyone's not ready for transition or change. There are some of you, some that have to be cut off. After 40 years, understand this, 2 million people leave Egypt. 2 million people, but only out of that 2 million people, almost all of them died off. It was what was produced in those 40 years that made it into the promised land. Not everybody's going to go with you. Some people in your life, you'll, you'll swear them down that they are absolute, the most wonderful thing in the world. But you've got to be aware of what I call connections and attachments. There are connections in this life. Pastor David and I have been in connections a long time. we got this connecting thing going on. We can go m- months without seeing each other as soon as we're around each other again. Even Kobe Trent, I like him. And so there, there's this, this connections that go on. But beware, beware, because there are also attachments. And those that attach to you are not going where you're going. Amen. there are times in life you think you've got a eureka. Man, you're excited, but it's the dirt devil. It'll suck the life out of you. There's certain folk I hear when they're coming. Hey, pastor. <laughs> you answer the phone and all you hear is, hey. <laughs> <laughs> on my phone, on this phone right here, I have people's names. Next to their names is an A or a C. If, I, if their name pops up here and it's got an A, I don't answer it. I just wait for the recording. <laughs> And this is what happened with Moses. He, he was dealing with the people, and he did what he could. I mean, he constantly was trying to, to placate them, coddle them, look after them, uh, get them water, you know, the manna, all the things that Moses had to deal with. It, it, but they didn't belong to Joshua's destiny. There's a difference in association, again, and assignment. Understand who's assigned to you. There's this anxiousness right now about our future, today's conference, the whole thing. But when you understand the violence that we're going to have to do to shake the kingdom, the, the church, the church church was made to bother people. We bother people. We interrupt their lives. You serve a jealous God. He will never allow you just to be comfortable in life. He's he's nosy. Always looking into your stuff. That's what God do. Amen. So, so I realized, you know, we're, we're trying to placate people, trying to be nice to people. I was raised saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Do you know, I don't even know what a pronoun is. And I meet people, I'll say it, and they look at me like they're mad at me. This, this new culture, this new thing coming down, I refuse it. Amen. I'm sticking with the book. I'm believing for the blessing. Amen. So you got to prepare to cross over. It's moving day. Verse 3 said, move out from your position. The purpose of transition is to get us in position. That's why God moved me from Alabama to where I'm at now. It's why God moved you guys. I understand this about transitions. Uh, Most transitions in your life came because of detours. Now, I've preached this a little bit in our church lately, but detours are so important in your life. The only one person in the whole Bible that, that didn't have a detour is Jesus. He knew where he was going, when he was going, why he was here, and where he was going back to. He knew all of that. Us? No. No, we hit detours all the time, and then we get mad and aggravated. The road's right. I just got off again, 2,600 miles on a motorcycle. That's fun when the road's smooth, but when you see detour, oh, no. You don't know what's fixing to hit you. Now, let me tell you, detours define the providence of God. This ain't on overhead or anything, but just listen. Detours define the providence of God in such a way so that believers will understand that there is no such thing as luck, fate, karma, or chance. You will never hear me use the word. Well, that's karma or that was chance. I don't believe in, I believe in providence. I believe God exposes his hand to you and shows you. You went down a rough road, a rough patch, maybe uh, finances failed, relations failed, whatever failed, but then all of a sudden God exposed his hand and says, here, I want to show you something. Man, I've been where I've lost everything and ended up getting it back. We had a hurricane in 2017. So did y'all. We let y'all in on it. Amen. But, But it took out 19 of our buildings. Okay, that's good. We restored them, got them together. Guess what? 2019, a melda hit. Did the same thing to detour, detour, detour. We just constantly seem to be going down. But at the end of the detour, I realized all the beauty that I saw, all the divine appointments that I connected with. Amen. It was God. God did this for us. Amen. And He just allowed us to do it. So the children of Israel, when they came out of the promised land, you have to study it and look it out on the map. When they left Goshen, this is where my finger is right Here's Goshen, okay. And there's a, a great big uh, Sea of Galilee up here. And then there's a Red Sea right here. When they left Goshen, right over here's the promised land. Smart way to go from here. To hear. Watch what they did. 40 years till they all died. Two million. At every funeral, Joshua looked over at Caleb and said, Another one bites the dust. Come on, Jesus. Amen. we got to get all these guys out of here. This new generation coming up for a reason. So detours encourage believers that although they cannot say everything that God is doing in the background, they can trust that He is faithful to get us to the place that He wants us to be. It was Providence that brought Pastor David Wendy here. Amen. It was a detour that brought him here, but it was a hand of God that showed that. Detours demonstrate that God uses both the good and the evil. Remember Joseph? That people do in His well-orchestrated plan of fulfilling His destiny for our lives. So even when things go wrong, God, according to Romans 828, can work things out good for our lives. Amen? So providence establishes all activity, everything that we do, because we believe in this book, we're believers in Christ, are under his rule and part of his design. God's sustaining and he's guiding human destiny. You still believe that. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. It is not a mistake that you are in dating. He put you here for a reason. He put you here for a time. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. So God hides Himself in the place where you're at. What are you saying, Pastor? Times and exact places where they should live. Our destiny is connected to a geographic location. I'm not in Arkansas for a reason. Put that man in Miami, he's a failure. He don't belong in New York City. He belongs in the country. We get away with a lot more stuff in the country. Amen. I I was raised in North Alabama. My family were bootleggers. The culture that I carry is in the places where I live now. There's something about being in that spot. See, God is a God of the zip code. Wherever your zip code, you ought to thank God for your zip code. You ought to say your zip code out loud. Tell God, I thank you, Lord, that you put me in 77532, Crosby, Texas. I thank you for, seven, for 77357 out here in New Caney. I love the zip code I'm in. Remember that. Geographically, God put you where he put you. And he put you there for a reason. Because you can reach a people that nobody else can reach. Amen. You can go after whatever it is. It may be the misfits or whatever, but you're after them. He made you for a certain place to reach a certain people. So he said, consecrate yourselves. So Joshua's whole life of dealing with this was to get across that river, to get to the other side and find out what God's going to do. Amen. The need to set ourselves apart for prayer, for fasting. This morning was so refreshing to me to hear the worship, to feel the worship, to, to worship. Set yourself apart. Amen. Prepare the people. What if the men knew? Watch this, 2 million, fixing crossover, the old are gone, the new are coming across. And Joshua says, I love it, Joshua told, the, uh, told he said, matter of fact, chapter 1 of Joshua, he said, anybody that don't listen to God dies. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Moses didn't say it, but I'm going to say it. All right, because I'm a new generational dude. Anybody do not listen to God, you, you're dead, all right? So then they get across, and the Bible says that he'd tell them, uh, Levites, I want you to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to walk toward, uh, put your feet in the water. Flood stage, Jordan. Now Joshua and Caleb are the only two that saw the crossing of the Red Sea. Moses, remember, God murdered him, he's gone. So here we got, they get to the water, he puts his foot in the water, as soon as they hit the water, the Bible says the water's rolled back, they rolled forward, dry ground, they walked across. You're talking about over a day's journey. The priest had to stand in the middle, holding up, standing and holding, standing and holding. Sometimes ministry gets tiring, it's fatiguing, but you got to hold it up for the people. you got to keep the roof up. you, you got to make sure that they're they're covered, that they looked after. So they stayed in the water. And even though they're trembling after a day, people are moving out and they're moving across. They get to the other side. As soon as they did, the waters flowed back. As soon as they stepped out of the water, what an amazing thing. Wow, this is great stuff. What's next, Josh? And then and Joshua says, again, remember, cultural and spiritual. Joshua looks at all the men and says, listen, guys, God just spoke something to me. Forgot all about this. You know, me and Caleb's got it. Y'all ain't. But everybody came out of Egypt. All of the men were circumcised. I need that knife. So what the Lord just spoke to me is that we're going to have to cut every one of y'all. Because that's our covenant. That's what separates us. Now, what we understand spiritually is, is, and I, guys, I've been in church long enough to know, I have been in churches where this was a big deal. And they were, you know, <laughs> if I cross the water, <laughs> this is good. I can't go back, and now you tell me if I disobey God, I'm dead, but now you got to cut me. Yeah. But there's Jericho right there. There's our enemy right there. They, they hear, if they find out we're weak and, we, and, and bloody, they're going to come and get us. Yeah. So what do you want me to do? Well, when we cut you, we want you to shout like a crazy man. <laughs> okay. Sure. So they circumcised all the men. I know y'all mature enough to understand this. you not ask after church. And they took the skins and they threw them you know, on the ground. And it, it, after that many men, it probably made a hill. And they're on the other side. And you can hear Jericho. Jericho's over here. And all of a sudden, whoa! Yeah! Woo! Is that all you got? Come on! Screaming and hollering. Again, contextually, when you're going through a hard time, when you feel like things are being cut off from you, you don't get upset, you don't get mad, you don't cry and weep, you give it another hallelujah. Amen, you shout out because the enemy, the enemy's listening. They wanna know, what is it you're doing? Listen, I promise you, by the time they healed up and got to Jericho, Jericho was trembling. They were scared because all they heard was these banshees over there screaming. I don't know why they're screaming, but something's going on over there. This is a wild. How much remember these guys have been pampered, they've been babied, they've had manna, they've had they've had clouds over them, they've had fire over them, they got water, everything was great in their lives, it was been wonderful. But now the manna stopped, they got to start doing their own hunting, their own producing. Everything's taking place. It's a shift in their life. In other words, you've got to start taking hold of what God has given you and press forward. Amen. So here comes the transition. Joshua had a vision. Moses was a maintainer. Moses maintained. Joshua had a not putting up with this anointing. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't putting up with it. Putting a demand on the people. Right. We're not babying this thing no more. We're going to move across here. And people ask you all the time, what are we going to do as a church? Quit pacifying people. Yeah. I mean, quit, quit, quit acting like everything's all right. Or you'll just go along with it. I passed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches. And I thought to myself, God, is anybody in that church moving out? Are they doing anything? Are they reaching their neighbor? Are, are they, are they culturally, are they, are they reaching out to the people in that town? Are they affecting them? Because it was just like I've seen people just maintaining, just holding fort, just waiting on Jesus to come. I believe in thy kingdom come, but not now. Yeah. Not now. Don't, don't, I want to go to heaven, but you don't need me in heaven right now. You need me here. Aggravating and pissing people off. I want to stay here. Amen. That's my, that's the anointing I carry. So God, help me do that. I walk into a place, I change the atmosphere. Everybody gets affected because he's here. So what, what do you do? Let me just throw this at you real quick. I believe that we're here to win, W-I-N. Win the lost, integrate the body, nurture people. Yes. It's that simple. Don't make it hard. Win the lost. Go after people. Do whatever it takes to win people to Jesus. Amen. Why, why, you know, why, why, am I, why do I do Harleys and Hot Rods and things I do? I want to win people to Jesus. I, do, I have more fun talking to people outside of church and winning people to Christ. Amen. Just to be able to share with them. It, and it's happened. God just kind of puts me in situations where I get that opportunity. And if they, and sometimes, you know what I'm saying, you, you, you're just watering a seed that somebody else planted. But God's gonna bring the increase. So you just do your part. So a, a, a win the lost, go after them. You know, when it comes to winning people, it's not that hard. Wash their feet. How you wash their feet? Mow their grass. Wash their car. Offer to babysit the little devils they gave birth to. Do something for somebody. My neighbors, when we started church out in New Caney, the little country church, my neighbors didn't go to church. They hated the camp. The camp hated them, yada, yada. We won them to Christ. They're on our platform now, playing music and worshiping the Lord. Amen. They've said to my kids, we, We've seen God do some crazy stuff, but you got to go after them. I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood one time. And uh, I was uh, mowing my grass out front. And while I was mowing my grass, I wanted to reach my neighbor. His name was Don. Big guy, 6'4", about 240. He'd been working the night shifts, slept during the day. And I'm mowing the grass. While I'm mowing the grass, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. Mow his grass. I said, get behind me, devil. <laughs> I'm, I'm still mowing, pushing that mower. I heard it again. Mow his grass. flesh, flesh. Flesh. Still mowing the grass. And, and I heard it again, mow his grass. So I said, all right, God, this is on you. You know he works night shifts. He's sleeping. So I went over and I started mowing his grass. Started down by the road and I started going all the way up to his house. I've been moving up to his house. He comes out on his porch and he looks at me and he says, hey, what are you doing? Looked obvious to me. Mowing your grass, sir. Why are you mowing the grass? I said, all right, God, this is on you. God told me to. He said, yeah, okay. And he went back in the house. Came back out with his wife and two kids. They watched me mow his whole yard became friends right after that i went to jail I, I got thrown in jail for for standing up for babies and, and while i was in jail he protected my house for me when people broke into it he ran off the people that were trying to steal my black and white tv and so <laughs> by the way it had vice grips on it to change the channels it was a, yeah you don't know ministry yet. Uh, new neighbor moved in named louise love louise sweet lady mowing my grass guess what god said more grass So I'm going to wash your feet and I start mowing the grass. She walks out. She's an older lady. She looked at me and she went, hey. She said, hey. I said, just mowing the grass. She oh yeah, help yourself. I finished mowing the grass. She offered me a beer. Sweet lady. Sweet lady. Amazing. It's not that hard. Just wash your feet. You do something for them, and watch what God does. So, winning the lost, integrate the body, bring the body together, nurture people when they need nurturing. And by the way, there's so much gospel out there now. You can you can self-disciple. You don't always have to be sucked up under somebody. You can self-disciple. And get advice from other people. So, uh, so a, a really good uh, vision is creative. It has commitment, power, contagious. Amen. Everybody wants to get in on it. Like this place here. Everybody just wants to get in on it. You can see it. It has changing power. The vision is right. People will change to make it happen. God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. And that's what's happened here. I've seen people coming alive. It has a continuing power. And I need to keep moving. The key to success is enthusiasm. If you, you know, if, if our church didn't see me enthusiastic, no matter how much I'm hurting, no matter what's going on, if I didn't have enthusiasm, Theo is the word, God in you, that's what enthusiasm is. If you're not enthusiastic about Jesus and what he's done for you and the grace of God that's on your life and the failures you've had and how God got you back up and held your hand and walked you, through, if you're not enthusiastic about that, you're going to hell. Your vision will advance you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Those who have most powerfully and permanently influenced their generation have been seers. They've been able to see into the future. That's why I'm here today. It's not about me. I want to hear Pastor Tim. People have gone through some things in life. I I want to hear about it. I want the seers to speak. Uh, I want to know what's going on in life. Amen. Men and women who see more and further than anybody else. Moses endured, the Bible says, by seeing him. He endured those 40 years. Amen. He saw someone who was invisible. He overcame his stuttering problem. Amen. Just to be able to speak to Pharaoh. David Livingston, the great missionary, he said, I will go anywhere provided it's forward. Wow. And if you fail, fall forward. At least you gain some ground. The frontiers of the kingdom of God were never advanced by men and women of caution. They always were risk takers. The amazing thing about Abraham Lincoln was not that he was born in a log cabin. The fact is he got out of it. Amen. To keep on moving. So there were obstacles, amen, as they moved toward Jericho. I'm going to move quickly here because I took my knife back. Joshua 6, 7 says he ordered the people advance. Again, the whole thing, Joshua kept saying, we've got to go, we got to go, we've got to press. Amen. Crossing the river, we've got to press. Manna, stop. Get your own food, we've got to press. Amen. We're going to go to Jericho now. We're going to march. And he ordered the people advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. They have seen so much. Let me just tell you about Joshua real quick. There is a verse that, uh, that messes with me. There's a time when Joshua gets ready to go forward and an angel. Remember that angel of the Lord shows up with a flaming sword? That's a theophany. It's God Himself. It's Jesus Himself showing up. And Joshua got such attitude, man. His attitude was nothing like Moses. He looked at him and he said, Are you for me? <laughs> you for me or against me? <laughs> You're facing God with a sword. I know what it says, angel, but it's a theophany. Amen. It's when God manifests Himself. He's standing there he said, You for me or against me? He said, Neither. I'm not giving you a for, and I ain't giving you an against. The angel said, I'm here to take over. Yeah. That's what we need. That's good. We just need God to take over. Teach us to show. So here's the rule. March 13 times around. You want to go, you're going literally show me seven days, six times in this last day, seven times. You do the math. It's 13 <laughs> times, I think. So they advanced. To advance is to Accelerate to move forward, to raise a higher rank to bring forward in time, to increase, to give provision. It's the hastening of a process to bring about a desired end. If you believe in this book and you're a believer in Christ, I want to tell you something. Your economy is not based on what we're walking and, see, and seeing right now. God has a way to bless you, to find you, to put things into your life. It'd blow your mind. Amen. You'll be finding money. Bills be paid off. There'll be settlements, inheritance, rebates and returns, debts, modest royalties received, favor, success to the kingdom. You're going to see it. It's going to bang, bang, bang. God will find you. Amen. Because we're under a different economy. And when, when, everybody else was, when, not, when everybody else was struggling, the Israelites were doing fine. Amen. And God has that same love toward you. What brings you down the walls? A mandate from God. What's going to affect Dayton, Texas? A mandate from God. To hear from Him. What's going to happen in Rogers, Arkansas? A mandate from God. Obedience. Brings down the struggle. You know, the, the greatest miracle of those 13 laps was this shut your mouth shut your mouth don't say nothing what i can i can go four times around and not say nothing but on the fifth time and she throws another pot down from that wall if he dumps one more bucket of If they cut me off in traffic, I'm going to say something. Just one more time, Pastor. I promise you I'm going to hit them in the church. If that Yankee parks me in the wrong place one more time. You know I got a temper. Obedience. Obedience. Praise, of course, brings it down. Everybody getting involved, unity will bring down the walls. After that, then the shout. You can imagine the build up shout. I pray by the time you get here on a Sunday or a midweek, you got something built up. It's just built up. you you got to release yourself. Amen. I mean, you're tired of throwing shoes inside the dryer and letting it flap around so you can scream in the house to keep from upsetting everybody. Amen. you got a tambourine in your shower. you ready to cut loose. You, you're just excited about what God's doing. So when we partner together, when we come together, that's what this is about this week. We unify in strength. It, it identifies opportunities. When I'm at other churches, I'm always looking for something to steal. You ask any of my people. I'm always doing something to steal. I just want to st- I like that. I think I'll make that mine. Yeah. <laughs> it identifies opportunities, it purifies our motives, satisfies the heart of God, multiplies the potential of ministry, clarifies mission. Let me move on here because I got to close. I'm pretty sure. It's so good. It's good. <laughs> when you see the ark, follow it. Keep a distance. But make sure you can see the arc. There's, some, there's, there's peace in uh, being able to see something ahead. Again, I'm, I'm a biker, and I, I like doing But there were times this week that if I didn't see the taillights in front of me, I wouldn't be able to keep moving through the curves. And at times you hit life, you've got to make sure the presence is just out there, but you've got to be able to see the taillights. You've got to be able to see it as you're moving through life. He said, keep, keep an eye on it. And give his presence preeminence. That's what I'm doing. I'm telling God, you know, you're holy. I know you are, and I know I don't have nothing to offer but, but myself. Moses said, unless his presence goes before me, I ain't going. Pastor David, you, Sister Wendy, come stand right here. Could I get to other pastors? Would you mind? Would you just, just give me. I'm not going to hurt you. Just other pastors. If you consider yourself a pastor a leader, would you come stand up here, please? This is a part of uh, having time to to think and to pray when you're riding and you're going through things in life. When you've been with me, you guys have seen this. When I read this, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me to say this to you. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the water. And Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites. And every one of you know this. There are Canaanites, Gergesites, Parasites termites all kind where you minister where you work he said I'm going to drive them out but first I'm going to do something that if you're not careful it'll make you arrogant I'm going to exalt you in front of the people I'm a backwoods country boy picked cotton as a kid outhouse I mentioned uh, only one ever went to college and when I read that the first time 25 years ago that God would exalt you in front of the people in the eyes of the people. When God does that, a humility comes over you when you realize I cannot do this without them. And when he brings you up, and I I meet pastors, they're not exalted in front of the people. They're not honored in front of the people. But when you get that kind of respect, from people it, it brings a humility into your life and you, you will literally weep because you don't deserve it and you know that but God chose you he picked this couple amen through whatever detours they came he picked these couples to be here to take out the Jerichos and the, all the things that are ahead for you so as I look at that Pastor David I realize that first the people recognize that you are the pastor here Now, I know that sounds weird to some, but there has to be a recognition that these men and women have a gift in their life, and God recognizes that, and the people recognize. Second, there's respect that comes with that, and then to receive from the people because at times they're going to pour into your life. Whoa, hang on, but they just keep pouring because when Lazarus got resurrected from the dead, oh, what a story. The next picture you see, he's reclining with Jesus. He's hanging out with Jesus. You hang out with the cure. When ministry's done something for you, you appreciate it. You thank God. They prayed your son through. They helped your daughter out. They did a funeral, wedding, whatever it was. They were there to cry with you. Well, they didn't even have the answer. They just sat with you. And there's an appreciation there. So you begin to receive from the people that which you've done. And then the response, we respond back to them. So I want to pray for you, amen, that God exalts you. Watch this. Look at me again, Pastor. You were with me when God exalted me, and I didn't know how to handle it. Honestly, I was early 40s, blown away. People wouldn't quit coming. TBN, Daystar, flying me all over. I couldn't handle it, and God humbled me. And then he brought me to a group of people and exalted me again. And all I've done is stay low (laughs) under the radar and say, God, I appreciate what you're doing, but I don't want to be out there with all them big shots. You know what a big shot is? It's a little shot away from home. I don't want to be with them. I just want to be with the people you called me to be with. Stretch your hands. Y'all stand, church. Stretch your hands this way toward these men and women of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you exalt the men and women that have chosen to preach your word, to stand it between them and the devil, to tell the world that, listen, I'm in it, but I ain't of it. Amen. God, I ask you to be with the men and women right now. Exalt them in the eyes of the people here. God, in the name, I see it in this town. God, there is no other church I know of in this town that can reach, connect, and nurture, win, and integrate than this church. I thank you for Dayton Christian Center. You put it on a map. It's is here. Lord, you've given them a zip code. We pray over that zip code. God, we thank you. You're the God of our geography. God, I ask your blessing upon this house and every pastor and leader up here right now in the name of Jesus. Exalt them in the eyes of the people and remind us to stay humble in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise.